Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Take Action. I am Pastor Keon Henderson. I'm privileged to give leadership to the Lighthouse Church and to all of you all who are a part of Lighthouse Nation. Now, what does that mean? Lighthouse Nation is just a group of us radical people who love God from all over the world. Uh, some of you all are in Africa. Some of you all are in uh, Europe. Some of you all are right here in the United States, spread out all across the world. What are we, Lighthouse Nation? We are a community of people who believe God, uh, who watch this ministry online and support the local church. Now, some of you all are in the core, my take actioners, if, if you will, people who are taking action with us, uh, who are in the core. Maybe you live in Houston or nearby, or you fly in once a month or every once in a while, and uh, you give periodically and some of you all consistently what we believe is that the body of Christ is a diaspora of people wide and broad that has all kinds of individuals in it with one common goal to give God the glory for all of you all who are part of take action I want to thank you so much and I told you that we would be doing so many things to help those in the community and many of you all like me who are uh, active on social media you probably saw a young woman named Rosalind Singleton, uh, who has a husband named Ray. Uh, she recently lost her battle with cancer, if you say it uh, in the physical sense. We know that those of us who live in Christ, uh, we never die, and those of us who die in him, we shall live again. Uh, but she went from labor to reward uh, not too long ago, and I want to let you know that I told you that when you partnered with us here at Take Action and at the Lighthouse Church, that we would be actively involved in making a difference and taking action in other people's lives. And so I want to thank you so much, but because of your faithful giving, uh, we were able to make a $20,000 donation uh, to the final expenses uh, and to the ongoing of her legacy with her husband, Ray. And so if you see this, Ray, we here at Take Action and we here at the Lighthouse Church, we love you. We've never met. Uh, you didn't get that out of nepotism. You didn't get it out of relationship. You did it because the people here at Take Action, you got it because the people here at Take Action uh, love to be a part of somebody's story. And so for all of you who've partnered with us, continue to do so because we will continue uh, to make marks and differences in the lives of people when God prompts our heart to ensure that we're not just hearers of the word, but we're doers also. So thank you so much for partnering. And as you see uh, the giving link that is coming up on the screen right now, and you give out of your faithfulness, just know uh, that we're not buying suits and cars and, uh, and things with, with your donations. We're actually doing the work uh, that you sent us here to do. And I wanna thank you for trusting me uh, because it is the highest form of respect. As we get into the word of God on today, uh, I've been mulling over this word literally for the last 24 hours. Um, you'll probably see this a little post-dated from what prompted the idea, uh, but uh, the Sunday, and I, I don't know when you'll see this, you'll probably see this um, because we're in the holiday season, you may see it a couple days after uh, I've done it. What I want you to do is I want you to go back to uh, YouTube, go to Keon Henderson TV. I want you to look at this as a two-part series. Um, I preached a message on November 20th called, I Didn't See It Coming. Uh, it was um, a message that was about a prophecy given by Isaiah. Now, you know the text, unto us 
a son is born unto us, a child is given. You've heard that before. We shall call him wonderful. We shall call him counselor. We shall call him mighty God. We shall call him prince of peace. We shall call him everlasting father. Uh, but within that, uh, somewhere we began to talk about uh, the doctrine of salvation. And I wanted to take this moment to slow down and give you a thorough perspective of some of the things that were actually said in the message so that way you can take the message, uh, which is like cheering at a basketball game, and then get an opportunity to come into uh, basketball practice and see the X's and the O's and how we were actually able to construct the message. Because I believe, um, I, I, I saw this, I saw this and I want you to see this. I was watching a clip online and uh, it was a minister and he said something that I hear all the time, but it didn't really get my attention until I heard it this time. He said that Satan is the ruler of this world. And when he said it, he immediately shocked me because obviously what does the Bible says the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein. So you automatically are thinking, you know what? Hey, the earth is the Lord's, but what it actually means is that the authority has been transcribed from God to Satan as a result of the fall in the Garden of Eden. It doesn't mean that Satan has the final say. It does mean that God has given him leniency in the earth uh, to, to a try to accomplish his goal, knowing that in the end, God will arise and his enemies will be scattered. Uh, but it is uh, the transcribing or the, the allowance of faith uh, being instituted because without faith it is what? Impossible to please God. And so I made a, uh, um, a comment about a scripture and this is going to be one of those uh, take actions where you're going to need to digest this, read this over and over, share it with people who you have arguments about uh, as it relates to salvation because there are two totally different perspectives out in the earth. And remember this, God, according to the scripture, is not the author of what? Confusion. So since there is so much confusion around this topic, it lets you know that there is another power that is interested and invested in ensuring that the body of Christ is confused as uh, to it as as how it relates to us accessing Jesus Christ as our Lord and personal Savior so whenever you have this conversation about salvation it institutes a frenzy online not because people are anti-God but because for many years perhaps centuries there has been a duality in explanation as it relates to how one can become acquainted with Jesus Christ as a personal savior. This is not the take action that you can afford to watch or listen to while you are distracted. Because right now we have the ability to build a theological construct that either can contribute to what you already believe or disrupt what you have been taught and it is my intention to bring it into fruition throughout a litany of scriptures to create an algorithm, if you will, and a default setting 
that will let you know, and here is the broad statement, we are all saved by grace. Now let me tell you what your cousin, your beautician, your mechanic, and perhaps even you will say when I say that. Well, if we're saved by grace, does that mean we get to do whatever we want to do? Does that mean I get to slap you and clap back and I have no consequences? Or why do we have to repent? I'm glad all of those questions are in the pot. Here is the answer to them before we lay the claim. Salvation by grace is not a license to sin. Just because I'm saved by grace, it doesn't mean I get to do what I want to do. And just because my salvation is complete and never in question, doesn't mean I get to act out and be non-saved, if you will, in my actions, and think that it means that because I am saved, I can do whatever I want to do. What if I told you it is exactly the opposite? Because when you are actually saved, you have the Holy Spirit in you, and he is the indwelling God, which prompts you not to do what you want to do. I would go further to say that anybody who does whatever they want to do without conviction or conscience, we have to ask the question, not can you be saved and do what you want to do? We have to beg the question, is it possible to do what you want to do without conviction and be saved? Okay, so I made a, I want you to watch this in tandem. I want you to go back and watch uh, the sermon. It's on Keon Henderson TV uh, on YouTube. It's called, I Didn't See It Coming. And then I want you uh, to rewatch this because there was a text um, that I mentioned in uh, the Bible. And it says, um, and I'm going to go back and pull up the message, in fact, uh, from that day. Uh, as we look at it, it says, that God has removed our sins, Psalms 103:12. as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. Okay, now, now that's the Bible. That's not my opinion. That's not hyperbole. That's not a suggestion. It is Psalm 103 and 12. And anybody who's going to argue with that, if they start off by saying Psalms with an S, don't listen to them because it's the book of Psalms. That's all of them. But individually, it's Psalm 103 and 12. Okay. As far as the east is from the west, this is verbatim from the scripture. So far has he removed our sins from us. I brought out a globe and I talked about how uh, when you start out at the North Pole, you're about 12,400 plus miles to the South Pole. But if you keep going, you eventually go north. And the idea is that's why God didn't say, I removed your sins as far as the north is from the south, because they connect. You see? But he said east from the west. Because once I start going west, Unless I change directions, I'll never go east. Now, when I said that, someone said to me, well, pastor, what happens when you go west and you end up in the Middle East? That's true. You can be in the east still going west. 
I want you to think about your local highway in your, in your neighborhood. You can live on the south side of Houston right now and still be going north on 59. I, I need you to think with me. I need you to think with me. You, why? Because it is possible to be in a area and still be going in a direction. I'm not talking about where you are. I'm talking about the direction you're going. So if you go north and you go south, you keep going, eventually you go north. But once you go east, you never meet west. Once you go west, you never meet east. So think about it from this perspective. Here is the big overarching statement. Once I'm saved, I'm always saved. Now, what does that mean though? Does that mean I get to do what I want to do? No, it doesn't mean. Does it mean that, that, that my sins have no consequences? No, it doesn't mean that. What it means is, is that whenever you sin, you mess up your fellowship with God, but your relationship is never in trouble. Let me tell you, I was at dinner with a father. He was pouring his heart out to me. He said to me, he said, Pastor, my sons have taught me grace. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, Pastor, he said, my sons, I've given them everything that I could possibly give them. Sometimes they don't respect it. He said, and I'm, I would never give you any clue as to who this person was. I'm giving you an example. Uh, he said, uh, uh, one of the sons uh, is a heavy, heavy marijuana smoker. He doesn't want to do anything but smoke. And he says, I didn't raise you like that. And they're lacing marijuana with all kinds of stuff these days. And he's deathly afraid. And, and he doesn't want his son to go down that path. Uh, and, and I'm not talking about whether marijuana is right or wrong. So let's not even get into that argument. I'm talking about a father who is upset with the direction of his son. And he looked at me and he said, it was in that moment that I realized the grace of God. He says, because there is nothing, no matter what my sons do, there is nothing that can make me stop loving them. Do you remember in Luke chapter 15, there was a, a, a prodigal son who was in this father's house. And some will tell you uh, that the prodigal son is actually uh, uh, not a true story, but it is really a reflection of God and his children. And he says to his father, he says, Father, give me what's mine now. And the Bible says in Luke 15 that he goes off into the hog pen and he lives in riotous living. But what happens? One day the scripture says he came to himself and he went back. And what did his father do? welcomed him with open arms, put a ring and a robe on him, and had a ceremony with meat prepared. Why? Because the father is always ready for the child to come home. That is salvation. That all we like sheep go astray. But when we are sheep of the true shepherd, he always has room for us to come back home. And if you have been raised in the old school church, you remember this song, At the Cross, At the Cross, where I first saw the light. You remember that song. And the burdens of my heart were rolled away. It was there by faith. That I received my sight and now I am happy 
all the day. I am so excited about teaching you this today because there are many, many people in the world who are confused about the duality of am I saved by grace or am I saved by works? Am I saved because of the cross or am I saved by, by, by my actions? And my question for everybody who believes that I am saved by what I'm able to do or not do, then how can salvation be a gift from God if it is earned by my action? And if it is not earned by my action, how can it be lost according to my action? The same way you love your child. I'm talking to a mother and a father right now. You love your child, but you know what? They went off and they stole something from the mall. They went off and, and they snuck into the movies. They stole your car, keys out of your bedroom, took money out of your safe. And if I'm talking to any parents in here who's ever had to go down that track with your child and you still love them anyway. And there are parents watching me right now who still visit their children in institutions and correctional facilities. Some of you all have children right now, they're on the basketball team. They haven't scored a point all game and you still wear their t-shirt. They may not even get in the game and you go sit on a cold bench to watch your child stand on the sidelines at a football game. Why? Because your children can do nothing to separate themselves from your love. And if we are faulty and failures and can love our children through the good and the bad, how much more can the Father love us? Ephesians 1, verse 4 through 5 says, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. I came to fight today. I came to fight today to dispel the myths of well-intentioned people who make you believe that God needs you to do something other than accept and believe him to be his child. Ephesians 1 verse 4 through 5. According he hath what? Chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Do you, do you hear what I just said or do you hear what you think? Are you hearing what the scripture just said or are you listening to uh, some book that was written by somebody who didn't exegete scripture properly? According he, who is he? God. What did he do? Choose us. So I didn't choose God. He chose me. When? Before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. It doesn't mean that I am without blame. It doesn't mean that I am holy. <laughs> It doesn't mean that I am perfect. And it doesn't mean that I don't deserve death, hell, and the grave. But because, according as he hath chosen us, here it is, because I am in him. 
when God sees me. The reason why, after I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and believe in him, the reason why I don't go to hell because I've lied, because I've been manipulative, is because when God the Father, who is the judge, looks at me, he doesn't see me. He sees his son because I'm in him. And in him, there is no failure. In him, you heard the Christmas song. In him, there is no failure. In him, there is justice. In him is safety. So since I am in him, I receive the benefits of being holy and called and having a purpose, not because I don't deserve. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of being in God is eternal life. I need three people, just three of y'all right now, to, to, just to type online for all of the people who, who don't believe salvation by grace. I just need you to type it. It's in the word. It's in the word. Now, you're going to get all kind of trolls right now. You're going to get all kind of people who are going to come up out of the woodwork. But remember, I am telling you that Satan is the prince of this world. And he has put a narrative in the world that has diluted the efficacy of salvation making it inoperable in the lives of people who don't access it by grace. You are not ever going to be good enough to work your way into heaven. So just because you don't lie every day doesn't mean you're not a liar. Somebody will say, you know, here are the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not kill. And, and um, I'm going to find this scripture. Um, it's, 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 it's very important that, that you see what I'm getting ready to say now. It's, it's in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And it says this. It says, and we know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. Here it is. To them who are called according to his purpose. Ephesians 1 and 5. Here it is again. Here it is again. I need you to get your Bible because we ain't, we ain't going to play with the devil. We, he can do what he want to do, but we know what God said. Go to Ephesians 1 and 5. Okay? And when you get to Ephesians 1 and 5, I want you to see something. There is a word in this text that I didn't write that should illuminate what I am telling you today. Are you ready for it? Ephesians 1 and 5. Having, here is the word, predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, now what does predestined mean? Um, if if I, I, I am telling you that I pre-recorded this message. It means that you're watching me live, but the work is done. <laughs> I'm telling you, I came to fight. I came to fight. I came to fight. Right now, you think you're watching me live. But I'm telling you, I recorded this November 21st. And the reason why I pre-recorded it is I wanted you to know that you can be having a live experience on predetermined work. 
Now, in most instances, you are watching me live. But today is predestination. You are watching me now, and I might be somewhere preaching somewhere else. You are watching me live right now, but the work has already been done. At the moment I am teaching this, there are only three people in the room, me, the person recording, and the person operating. There are three of us, and I am doing work for the thousands of you whose lives will be changed because here is the symmetry before the foundation of today, I had already done the work for you. So even though you are in today, I did this work two weeks ago, a week ago, whenever you're watching this. This is the same thing that I'm talking about when it comes to salvation. I preached a sermon. Oh, this is good. I preached a sermon on November 20th. I read the social media comments about people who thought that I was teaching salvation by grace as a way of saying you can do whatever you want. I saw those comments. I constructed this lesson. I came back the next day and taught it to you because I had the benefit of foreknowledge. Now, I can only see back a couple days, but because God is perfect, he saw this conversation in antiquity. He saw this conversation before the foundation of the world and then created a construct to make sure that no weapon formed against you should be able to prosper. So this is a small shadow and microcosm of how salvation works. The same way I read the comments and was able to construct a message, God was able to, before you were formed in your mother's womb, to see what earth's reaction would be to his son, Jesus Christ, and to create a scripture and to divinely speak into the mouths of a writer to write a pen to say, oh, by the way, for the people who will say that you have to be good to be saved, having been predestined to us until the ad adoption of, of being children of Jesus Christ, to be predetermined means to be decided beforehand. In the New Testament of God, decreeing from eternity, it means to foreordain, appointed beforehand, which means I was appointed to be a child of God before I was ever a child of my mother. Oh, this ain't going to be good. It ain't going to be good. It's not going to be good for the bubbling in the earth that wants you to believe that because you didn't cuss somebody out, you deserve salvation, or because you did refrain from it, it makes you better. The wages of one sin is death. So the grace of God was enacted on the earth, not because you didn't pay your taxes, not because you had premarital sex, not because you were under the influence, or I was under the influence of some sort of substance. Grace didn't get enacted because you sinned in 2022. Grace was enacted in the garden before the foundation of the world. And when Adam and Eve did sin, the grace of God was enacted. And the contract that was predetermined 
was signed with the blood of Jesus Christ. Help me, Holy Ghost. Grace is not a result. If, if God is giving grace out sin by sin, then he's a reactor and not eternal. God is not, you sin today, I'll forgive you today. You sin tomorrow, I'll forgive you tomorrow. You slap somebody upside the head, then I went and repented and got, no. He has taken our sins, according to the scripture, and done what? Thrown them into the sea of forgetfulness. God has already forgotten what you haven't done yet. The reason why people struggle to understand this is because we think God is like us, not knowing that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And the reason why people have trouble accepting the doctrine of salvation is because they think about God the way they think themselves. And baby, let me tell you, everybody do me a favor and put this in a chat. God ain't you. And somebody ought to just start shouting in your house that God ain't like the people in this world. That God isn't like the girl you work with. That God is not like the guy you're related to. That God isn't like the person you're married to. God is perfect. He's just, but he's also fair. Yet he is a judge. Yet he is gracious. Yet he is the Holy Ghost. Yet he is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And for anybody who thinks they can explain God, good luck. Because his ways are not your ways. Let me, let me, let me go a little bit further. Can I go deeper? Everybody just type deeper. Who am I helping? Who am I helping? Am I helping anybody? Because I know right now that the enemy, I, I hear noises in the atmosphere. The enemy is upset. He's upset. He's screaming through everything he can make noise through because he knows that this is the way to draw people unto the Lord. I, I heard one person came up on our social media and they said after the sermon, uh, I've heard you teach the opposite before and I confronted her right online. You ain't never heard me teach the opposite. I've always taught salvation by grace. I've always taught that God loves us more than we can love ourselves. I've always said no weapon formed against us shall prosper. I've always said that accepting God is as simple as ABC, accepting him, believing him and confessing him. You have never heard me say that you are saved by works. You are saved by grace. The only work that was ever done for us to be saved is the work that was done on the cross. That was the work. That was the work. John 15, 16 says, man, who, Ricky, you and him, I'm about to run because now, because Ricky is, is one of the people that has to look at social media. So I got to, I, I, he, he's a, he's a minister himself. So he has to, he has to deal with it internally because now he's building his own, um, uh, construct of salvation. Ricky, I'm going to look at you and not look in the camera. I'm going to read John 15, 16 to you. Anytime somebody tells you that we are saved because of what we do. Here is what John 15, 16. Are you ready? John 15, 16. You have not chosen me. But I have chosen you. I don't know what other Bible y'all want to read. I don't, I don't know what else needs to be said. So you're going to hear all of these things in the earth. But that's why you got to study to so, show yourself approved. And when you study to show yourself approved, you're not disturbed by people who have comments 
and people who 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 come up out of the dirt to all of a sudden have an opinion about something they've never studied. John 15, 16 says, have ye not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit shall remain that whosoever ye shall ask of the father in my name, he may give it unto you. I got to read it again. I got to read it again. You didn't choose me. I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go on and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. I prophesy now your fruit shall remain. That this winter season is not going to take away the fruit from your vine that you're not going to wither up and dry up, that you're not going to, here it is, I ordain you that your fruit should remain. What's your fruit? Salvation. It shall remain. That whatsoever ye ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Romans 8 and 29. Is, is this enough scripture or should I keep going? Keep going. Whoa, should I keep going? All right. We're going to keep going. They're telling me to keep going. If you're enjoying it, I need you to just say something in the comments. Say something in the chat. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Take me deeper. See, this is called Bible study. This is different than opinion casting. You'd be surprised at how many people pass off their opinion for doctrine. It's not rooted in any study other than a topical observation of scripture of things that can't be true because it don't make sense. And let me tell you something. God is one confusing man sometimes. His ways are not what? You heard me say it. Our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. Romans 8, 29. Okay. Salvation by works. I did something to be saved. And if I did something to be saved, then I have to do something to stay saved. But I'm imperfect. So how was that possible? Because I didn't do it as much. No, the wages of sin, not sins. The wages of sin is death. What is sin? You got to understand. Here it is. And I didn't want to go here, but now I got to because y'all tested me. There is a difference between sins and sin. The sin that keeps us from going to heaven is non-belief in God. Once that sin has been eradicated by accepting Christ, now the wages of my sins, the imperfection, the lying, the dishonesty, the divorces, the, 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 the uh, uh, people being dishonest and malicious, um, uh, People like, like Peter and Judas, who obviously in this earth wouldn't be worth their salt because, remember, one betrayed him, one denied him, and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All sin is equal in the eyes of God. We are the ones that say, well, you know, 
Rape is up here and lying in is down here. In the earth, yes, but go to heaven. Go to heaven and you will find out that all sin is equal. So don't think that because you don't do what somebody else does, it makes you a little better than them because you do what you do and they don't do what you do. Can I read you another script? This is good. Somebody just put in a comment, this is good. This is helping me. Let's, let's, let's give the devil a black eye. All of the beatings we've been taking from him and all of the things that he's been doing, the spiritual warfare, the attacks that we've been under, we've got to fight back. Romans 8, 29. All right, here it is again. I'm going to turn around the circle. You ready? Romans 8, 29. For whom did he foreknow? He also did, here's that word, predestinate. To be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among the brethren. To whom he foreknew. See, stop thinking that God found out about you the day you were born. And stop thinking that God just found out about your sin the day you sinned. Stop making my God finite. He's not a reactor. He doesn't have to forgive me now because of what I'm doing now. Before the foundation of the world, he was already the lamb slain. Are you listening to me? Second Peter 3 and 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness. But in long suffering. To us worked. Not willing. That any should perish. But that all. Should come to repentance. Now. I understand the next question. The next question is, why do we have to repent if we're already saved? You must understand that just because you have to repent does not conflict with salvation by grace and eternality. Repentance doesn't repair relationship. Repentance repairs fellowship. There's a husband and a wife that will see this. Wife, your husband made you mad, upset, disappointed you, perhaps did the unforgivable. Y'all sleeping in two separate rooms right now. But if your heart is forgiving like our father's is and that man comes in and repents, even though you all were still husband and wife, his repentance has the potential to repair the fellowship. We're not talking about the relationship. Repentance is the way provided for us by God to become free 
from the earthly damnation and consequences of our sins to receive forgiveness. It doesn't mean that when I repent, I get resaved. God, this is so important. You don't have to get baptized every time you feel unworthy. You don't have to go back down in front of your church and give the preacher your hand every time you make a mistake. You don't have to get resaved every time you have a child out of wedlock. Salvation is not so fragile and frivolous that it depends on your ability to say I'm sorry before God reinstitutes the bond. Because even in your apology, you're still a sinner. Oh God, help me in this place. Sin slows our spiritual progress down. It does not make us unsaved. Repentance makes it possible for us to grow and develop spiritually. The privilege of repenting is made possible through the atonement of Jesus Christ. The fact that you can repent goes back to the fact that you're saved. Because if you're not saved, the only thing you can say to God is be my God. You cannot repent if you're not already in relationship with him. Are you listening to me? I want you to hear me because every demon in hell is upset right now. Every demon in hell is running around right now to figure out how can they distort this message. They're going to do something in your mind right now. Something's going to come up on Instagram. Something's going to come up on the algorithm. I guarantee you that the prince of this world is going to do something to try to distract you from the unadulterated truth of the word of God. But I come up against distraction. I come up against despondency. I come up against the enemy right now who makes you think that you can ever be good enough to be saved. And I don't care if you didn't smack her. And I don't care if you did say I'm sorry. None of that takes care of sin. Now, why did Jesus Christ have to become man? Let's talk about it. Because according to Genesis, seed begets after its own kind. So God, who was spirit, and we are flesh, sinned in the flesh, so God has to become flesh, tabernacle amongst us in the personality of Jesus Christ. For the word was God, John 1 and 1. So he became flesh. Why? Because seed begets after his own kind. So he has to become flesh to redeem flesh. So now he gives his flesh to the cross so that you and I don't have to be crucified by the Twitter demons. You see, I'm crucified with Christ, Paul said, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. So now that I am crucified with God, my flesh is crucified with him. When he died on the cross, so did my flesh, so that when this old earthly tabernacle shall dissolve, I got another building waiting on me in the eternals, so I'm going to come out of this flesh of mortality, step in a flesh of immortality, and that flesh is saved forever. Not this. This is going to turn dirt. Oh, oh, this is getting good. This is getting good. I'm telling you right now, I'm giving you something to talk about in the barbershop. 
I'm giving you something to talk about in a beauty shop. This flesh right here, you're right. It's no good. This flesh right here, you're right. It's going to rot. This flesh right here, it's going to go back to the dirt and, and it's going to turn into worms and, and, and the worms are going to be ate by the birds and the bird is going to be ate by the hawk and the hawk is going to be swimming over the ocean and he's going to fall and die and the fish is going to eat the hawk and then the shark is going to eat the fish and then the whale is going to, it's going, you see the evolution and, 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 and it's going to happen. But then when Jesus comes back, the shark is going to have to give up the fish. The fish is going to have to give up the bird. The bird is going to have to give up the worm. The worm is going to have to give up my flesh. And then I will put on immortality. You know what? This is so good that I need you to do me a favor. I need you to come back next week. I'm going to make this a two-part series. I'm going to make this a two-part series. We're going to talk about this next week. I want you to go and I want you to digest this. I want you to look at it over and over and over again. We're going to pick up right here next week. And then we're going to leave it up on our YouTube page so you can watch it on demand over and over and over and over and over again. And I want you to share it because people can argue with you, but they cannot argue with the scripture. We are going to take back our inheritance, and that is that we are heirs of God, joint heirs, and that we are saved eternally in Jesus Christ, and there is no salvation by works. We are saved by the grace of God. If you're enjoying this, I need you to put it in the chat. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Listen, we're going to give right now. We're going to give right now, and I want you to remember what we said in the beginning. Take action takes action. We give, and as we shared with you uh, in the beginning of this broadcast, if you missed it, there was a young lady named Miss Rosalind Singleton. They call her Roz, her husband Ray. They together have shown their journey online. Ellen DeGeneres, Dwayne Wade, uh, just all over the place. And uh, I never met them, but I was pricked and touched by their heart. And I made a $20,000 donation uh, to the final expenses uh, of her burial. Uh, to the research of cancer and to her husband's well-being and family uh, to make sure. And I did that on behalf of my wife and take action in you. And I hope that you understand that when we are faithful in what we do, God will make all grace abound to your account. And so now you are, because you give to this ministry, you are now a partaker of blessing someone's life. Thank you so much. Um, and it's emotional to think about, but thank you so much for your participation, uh, your awareness, your sensibilities, your keenness to be uh, a kingdom. Um, and we're so glad and so grateful that you partnered with us. They're gonna put all the information up on the screen, how you can give. Uh, make sure that you're using uh, methods like Givelify. It is it is very, very easy for us to, uh, to quantify uh, through that means uh, so that way we know the difference between somebody who's giving online and somebody who's an online member. We thank you so much for being a part of us. I want you to come back next week for this message on salvation. I'll see you next week.